podcast contains explicit content that is not suited for all listeners. Listener discretion advised. Hello, welcome to Bloodshed and Brews. My name is Charlotte. And my name's Tara. And today is a very exciting day because today is the first day of the days of all the days of our new project. Yay! We are announcing... What are we announcing, Tara? We are announcing our mini-series that is this summer of 69. So we are going to change pace for this brutally hot summer a little bit. And we're going to switch to doing some light, fun episodes for the remainder of the summer. Focusing on... Yeah, Charlotte's giving me a look like light, fun. She said light, fun, and am I like... (laughs) (laughs) Um focusing on events that occurred in the summer of 69 because we all know that was an extremely pivotal year and era for us a lot was happening so we'll be covering some info from that era so we've currently got six episodes in the works but i believe charlotte is going to be putting up a poll on social media Mm -hmm. so if there are any specific topics you want to hear from that uh, summer of 69 we can make sure that it's on our list and we're okay it's with a adding. wild one mercury was it definitely in gatorade one. during that summer yep there was a I, lot going absolutely. on there's a mm-hmm. lot going on that summer so if there's anything that you all want us to make sure that we talk about it then we for sure will right now we kind of have it set up that we're doing it chronologically um Some of the stuff kind of bounces around, so we're trying to kind of take you through the summer, you know, day by day, month by month. Uh, Yeah. It'll be like we we were all there together. We're all hanging out. It'll be a great experience. We're all hanging out. So, (laughs) let's go ahead and dive right into this first one. I gave Tara (laughs) the words... I mean, well, you didn't really. You didn't really, really, really give prompt. words. <laughs> so we said it's summertime. We really went with, you know, it's our first summer series, and then uh, I guess the word that I really chose was rainbow. Yeah. So. So with that, we chose the. Well, the, I'll give you the first beer we're going to open. To kick off the summer of '69, we have got Fremont Brewing's Summer Pale Ale. And this is one that I think they have every summer. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I think but so. But Charlotte and I were just talking about it, and we don't know if we've ever actually tried this, even though we've been living in Seattle for many a I summer know. at this point. But I think maybe I have. Yeah. I just don't remember it. But Yeah, I was telling Tara, I used to, to spend a lot of time at Fremont Brewing when I was kind of a newbie in the beer, the beer crowd, and I would get a lot of flights. So I'd be shocked if it wasn't on one of the flights that I've had, but I don't remember. And I'm super excited to try it today. Me too. I've heard great things about it. All right. And it's ready. Cute. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know what it tastes like? Okay. So over the weekend, I accidentally got this really nasty tea. Have you heard of hop tea? No. Well, it's just regular tea, but it's brewed with hops. What? So it tastes like a beer, but there's no alcohol in it. It's just tea. And I was extremely hungover from being at the lake with (laughs) you assholes all day. And 
just needed some caffeine, but I also needed some hydration. So I was like, oh, I'll just go like pick up a black tea or something. And I accidentally got a fucking hop tea and I take a big swig of it and it tastes like beer. beer. Out <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> but it kind of tastes like that. It tastes a little bit like it tastes a little bit like the hop tea kind of has like a sort of like jasmine sort of undernote to it. Yeah, I really like summer ales because they're lighter, typically more floral. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And this one's really good. Okay, anything before I read the description? About this? This beer? No. Yeah. Nope. I'm excited to feature Fremont. pull it up. Okay. So Fremont Brewing says, Summer Ale is back and better than ever. (laughs) Bursting with citrus and melon flavors, refreshing and, and imminently drinkable. It's the perfect beer for any summer day. Quote, Beer has food value, but food has no beer value. Yep. Awesome. Love that. So this is made with two-row pale malt with Amarillo and Citro, or sorry, Citra Cairo hops. Okay. It is 5.2% ABV, 51 IBUs. Its color is light orange, and I don't have a glass I with do. me, but I bet it's gorgeous. It oh, matches yeah. my shirt. It kind of, it kind of, it does. <laughs> it looks similar to the can. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, so the aroma is orange with other citrus undertones, mm-hmm. grassy notes with pine, cereals, floral, and wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, <laughs> light black tea. There we go. Oh my god, I'm not there crazy. You I love that. Uh, The flavor is lightly sweet and bitter Mm. with a light, refreshing body and moderate carbonation. It's available from May to August and will stay fresh for about 90 days. Beautiful. It's one, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six awards. So maybe we'll get another this year. That's big. That's big. Yeah, this is fantastic. I'm very happy. You should drink with this. a summer ale in every one of these summer series because there's so many of them. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. There's we'll always start really with ones. a summer ale because there's a lot out there. Yeah. All right. Well, we, all of you clicked on this so you know who we're talking about today, but we're kind of starting this off on a, on a heavy note. Um, <laughs> We are discussing today, well, let me go with my, with my intro, my Tara intro. If you were to walk the streets of London, England on June 22nd, 1969, you would see headline after headline on magazine stand, on all the newspapers, they all read the same thing. Judy Garland reaches the end of the rainbow. Every article highlights the tragic death of star Judy Garland. Unfortunately... What most did not know was is that how she died was all too similar to how she lived. My nipples are <laughs> and I stuttered twice. Uh. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about the unfortunately tragic and um, abusive and crazy life that Judy Garland lived. I do want to start with a disclaimer. Um, with a trigger warning for 
um, eating disorders, for drug abuse, for suicide. I will be covering all of those matters. Um, briefly, self-harm. Um, lots, of, lots of eating disorder stuff. So if this, that's not your jam, next episode's going to be more fun. Next episode's going to be, be really more, fun way one. more fun. And you know us. This one will probably come out and then and the next one will be out immediately. So you know. The next episode will be more fun. Skip this one. If, if any, any of those words I just said make you cringe. Okay? Great. All right. So let's start from the beginning, shall we? In fall we shall. 1921, Ethel Gum found out she was pregnant for the third time and she was far from happy. She contacted one of her husband's friends that was a medical student to figure out how to terminate her pregnancy. You know, it's 1921. Mm -hmm. Obviously, abortion is illegal. And their friend was like, you know, any sort of illegal procedure that that I can put you through, I can find for you. Um, Ethel's life will be at risk and she'll most likely die. It's probably best for you to just go through this pregnancy. And so they did. They went through the pregnancy, and on June 10th, 1922, yeah, 1922, Frances Ethel Gum, later to be known as Judy Garland, was born in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Later to say by Ethel is like the best thing that ever happened to her. She was immediately a superstar when she was just two. So her parents were, um, they owned a theater. Her old two older sisters were already really into it, and she immediately wanted to be a part of that family, the musical family, the theatrical mm-hmm. family. And she was two and a half years old. She made her theatrical debut in Grand Rapids, and that was the beginning of a lifetime of singing. Um, At two years old? Two years old. That's crazy. Yeah. And she goes... And so... Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Go. go um, you might get more into this in a bit, but just before you move on. So since her parents wanted to terminate the pregnancy and her mom wasn't happy about being pregnant with her third child and then they went through and had it, um, did, did Judy, or what was her name before it was Judy? Oh, it was um, Frances. Frances. Uh, did she ever get abuse from her parents or treated differently than her siblings or was it just instant love when as soon as she was born well no because uh she does later experience abuse from her mother but when she was younger she didn't because she instantly had that star power that her sisters lacked she instantly was taking over the stage and was like everything that her parents wanted got it okay um so she really kind of lived up to that that you know expectation for them um So, again, something that I think that we mentioned in the beginning of this, and so you all know, is that um, these episodes that we're going to be doing are a little bit shorter, and so we're just kind of hitting some of, like, the the main spots. Um, If you do want more information on this or a longer episode from us, please let us know. There's a few things I'm going to talk about in here that I could talk about for two episodes or more. Um, So, just so you all know. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what she even says uh, in an interview in 1963. Judy directly says, the only time I felt wanted was when I was a kid and when I was on stage performing, end quote. And it's, like, so sad. It's yeah, heartbreaking. When she yeah. says the best moments of her life were, like, before she was, like, under the, when she was under the age of six. I don't even remember when I was under the age of six. I don't remember. Couldn't tell you a single thing. Yeah. 
So her mother and her father started fighting. Her father was having affairs with young boys, and it was just a bunch of stuff up in flames. The theater wasn't working out, and her mother was like, you know what, we're getting out of Minnesota. You know, uh, at this time, Francis is a star. We're moving to California. She took all three girls in 1926, and um, they landed in California. And in California... A uh, few people said that the, the name Frances Gum is not something that will stick. Um, they heard a song, and then they gave her the name Judy Garland. They loved the name Judy, and after that moment, she went by Judy Garland for the rest of her life. She just screamed Judy energy. She has big, they big Judy energy. <laughs> big Judy energy. <laughs> yeah. And so, really, when they moved to California, Ethel wanted all three girls to succeed, but out of all the sisters, Garland, the youngest, really stood out. She had extraordinary singing abilities. Everyone said that she had an adult's voice and a child's body. And in 1935, when she was 13 years old, she signed on to the spot of Louis B. Mayer, who was literally Satan. I could do a whole episode on him. Um, and, and MGM. He was the head of Hollywood's largest, most prestigious movie studios, her contract was tied to MGM for seven to ten years. Uh, at at the age of 13, again, she was making $100 a week, which is a lot because it was the middle of the Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and being under contract also opened her up to a world of criticism. So her appearance was picked apart at, like, the second she walked through his door. Um he started calling her his little hunchback because she was small and had a curved spine. He would tell her that she was overweight at the age of 13. Um, he literally would give her nothing but chicken broth and cottage cheese to eat as a growing child. Oh, my God. Yeah. He, had, he like sent in like spies to watch her and make sure she wasn't eating other things. What the fuck? Yeah. So... Soon after that, that tummy hurt. Yep. Soon after that, she was prescribed diet pills, um, and she quickly became dependent on those, which is mm-hmm. like, ugh. I wonder what the like chemical compound, chemical makeup of diet pills from the 1930s is. It's like speed. I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure it's like street drugs. Yeah. Like literally street drugs. It's like cocaine. It's like cocaine. It's pretty close to that. It's so at upper. 13 years old, yep. she was prescribed and like, that. By the time she was 15, she was addicted. So, I mean, how awesome. is she supposed to have a successful life after that? Like, that sucks so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. So, she soon became a breakout star. She was the girl next door. She was wanted in all these different films. Um, and she later says in an interview... For the time that I was 13, it was a constant struggle between MGM and me. Whether or not I was allowed to eat, how much I was able to eat, what exactly I was, I was supposed to eat. Uh, I remember this more vividly than anything else about my childhood. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. She was like locked in a room and he would serve her his mother's monster ball soup and that's it. And Gross, like get lettuce your falls out of my mouth. Exactly. It's like what the fuck? <laughs> what the actual fuck? And don't even get me started on like corsets and stuff they made her wear. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So that's yeah. insane. And now let's talk about her time management, right? So keep in mind now she's like about fifteen. Um, this is in 
1937 and 1938, she was at this time doing two films at a time. She would also spend three hours in school and two hours in singing rehearsals before she even stepped in front of the cameras. So it wasn't unusual for her work day to end at like 5 a.m. So in order for her to, you know, she was young, in order for her to have that schedule, they again turned to pills. So she was taking Mm -hmm. uh, bolts and jolts is what they would call them. So it was order to, to, that was just like, she would take uppers, she would take the diet pills to keep her awake, and then at night she would take sleeping pills, and immediately when she woke up, she would take the uppers again to keep her awake, and like, obviously, that's going to kick off Dear Lord. a destructive pattern and a serious yeah. drug addiction. Holy shit. Yeah. So... Again, the, the drug started at 13, and they obviously never ended and were her ultimate downfall. But in 1939, yeah. when she was just 16, she got her big break as Dorothy Gale in The Wizard of Oz. And so I could go on and on and on and on and on about The Wizard of Oz. I know a lot of information about it, but it's a whole different episode, so if you want that, let us know. Um, the whole production of that is just such a shit show. Uh, oh, yeah. It's just ridiculous. But originally they wanted Shirley Temple for uh, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz because she was younger and she had that kind of cute appearance. Um, But they decided to go with Garland because she had a better singing voice. But they wanted her to look as young as possible. So she obviously had to lose weight. She was too fat. With drugs. Pretty much. So she was on that daily diet of chicken soup, black coffee, Cigarette, diet pills, and uppers. At the age of 16. Sounds like the frat house (laughs) diet. And her waist had, like, double corsets on it. Her nose was fixed with prosthetics. I, 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 it's, it's, and I, and, and, yeah, I, again, I could say I could go on and on and on about this. That's horrid. Because... Honestly, dairy cows are treated better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and everyone in this cast was absurd. treated super, super shittily, which is why I'm yeah. saying I could go on a whole episode about this. Um, but, you know, I guess some could say that it, it paid off. I'm sure her mom said it paid off because The Wizard of Oz was a smashing success. It's still staying with people today. It's regularly referenced. It is a classic. <laughs> people love it. It's still traumatizing 57-year-old men to this day. <laughs> Certain father figures are still deathly afraid of that movie. Of the monkeys. <laughs> Not even the witch, it's the monkeys. No, it's those damn monkeys. They get him every time. They're scary. <laughs> so that image of Dorothy followed Garland throughout her whole entire career. She said later in an interview... I think some of these people were pretty angry with me for not wearing braids and dressing like Dorothy and not always being 11 and 12 years old and not being myself. She says that in 1940 in a James Reed concert. I mean, not concert, interview. So <laughs> so since we talked about um, Wizard of Oz, let's go ahead and open up one of these rainbow, oh, rainbow yeah. beers. I'm excited about these. They're so fun. Me too. You choose which one we're doing next. Let's do the the red one. Let's do the um, Iron Horse. Double Rainbow. Yes, so this is 
Double Rainbow by Iron Horse Brewery. We're going to crack it open. It is a red IPA. Speaking of IPAs, when we were shopping for these beers, we did acknowledge that we have been doing way too many IPAs. (laughs) And I think we've both noticed that before this episode, but that's just what's mostly available. However, we are going to be getting away from IPAs in our next episode. Both of our beers are not IPAs, so stick around if you're looking forward for some change, because I know we are. I'm getting so tired of IPAs. (laughs) So, that being said, I am excited. This is a red IPA. Yeah, I think it'll be I've never had one. All right, let's crack it open. Usually, they're usually just called red ales, right? Amber ales? Yeah. Oh, it smells. It smells caramely. Ooh, it tastes like butterscotch. It's pretty good. I like it. Here, it looks like. Oh, it's like pink almost. No, it looks like ruby, like ruby red. Yeah. That's beautiful. Love it. Okay. Ugh. Charlotte does not like it. <laughs> it's going to take me All a right. little bit, I think. Mine isn't cold enough. Oh, yeah, I put mine in the I freezer. need to have a conversation with my total wine. They do not put the correct things in the in the refrigerated section. Like, there's my nothing. My total wine doesn't have a fridge. Oh, well, there you go. We, ours, ours <laughs> is, like, pretty small, but, like, it's the weirdest things in the refrigerator aisle. And I'm like, why? Why? All right. You ready to hear about this beer? Yeah, it's a mystery to me. You ready? Mm-hmm. Eureka! (laughs) The hop and sediment. A slightly sweet malt base is mashed together with Eureka hops, creating a perfectly malty, hoppy balance, akin to seeing a double rainbow after rainstorm or on YouTube. So this is 7.4% ABV. I don't see any IBUs. It's very bitter, though. Yeah. If I had to guess, I'd say, like, 72. The Beer's Story. Click here for Double Rainbow Inspired by Vision. Okay, let's read this. This craft beer was inspired by a famous YouTuber by the name of Yosemite Bear. His real name was Paul Vasque. His enthusiasm in witnessing a double rainbow took the internet by storm in 2010. Sadly, Paul passed away in 2020 at the age of 56. This craft beer is a living testament to the showcase, enthusiasm, and joy. As, oh, as you feel it. Life is short. Amen to that. Ties right in. Do you remember that YouTube video, Charlotte? It sounds really familiar. It's just this video, and there's this guy driving, and there's a double rainbow. And it's just him freaking out about this double rainbow. It's really so much. cute. <laughs> yeah, it was on Tosh.0, so that's how it became oh, so so sense. popular. But that's what this is based on. And there are there is in fact a double rainbow on the can. It's cool. Oh, it's so sweet. And it's like there's a road. It's probably the road he was driving on when he saw the double rainbow. And a car. So yeah. this didn't really this didn't really say much about the flavor profile or anything. Um, But I would recommend you try it. It's pretty tasty. But it is kind of intense. It's 
malty. It kind of tastes butterscotchy. Tastes like it might be barrel aged, perhaps. Yeah. No, it would probably say that if it, it was. It definitely it's a big would. They, lo- yeah. they love advertising barrel age. They do. Yeah, it's a little like burnt marshmallow to me. Yeah. Does have three grams of protein. Oh, I felt it. I felt it. I'm ready to you go. You felt the protein? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pre workout. <laughs> it's pre workout. <laughs> it's post workout. Hey, we've got our tea and we've got our protein. Dude, we're ready to we're go. Ready to go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, now we're going to get into. Gosh, how does one even segue into this? We're going to get into a few sexual harassment claims. Awesome. So, Garland. Just rip the band aid off. Unfortunately, you know, with that, we talked to. We really started off with drugs and, um, you know, that eating disorder and body shaming and all that stuff. And now we're going to get into this, the sexual harassment portion of her horrible life. Um, she was harassed by some of Hollywood's most powerful men. It's, whew, this includes, um, Gerald Clark. He is, yeah, he, yeah. And he would approach her for sex when she was just a teenager. Um, Mayor, who already talked about, he's someone who is frequently compared to Harvey Weinstein. So obviously he's a a ray of sunshine. Um, He is said to have groped Garland in his office, groped Garland, groped Judy in his office several times. Um, when she would sing, he would place her hands on her breast, saying he was supporting her, um, put Ugh. his hands underneath her skirt. She was just 16. So stuff like that happened all the time to her, and there's many of people Ew, that... I'm looking at that one He's nasty. Um, and then according to her third husband's biography, the actors who played Oz's munchkins were also um, sexually harassing her throughout the whole entire production of Wizard of Oz. He says, and I quote, they would make Judy's life miserable on set. They'd put their hands under her dress. Did you see that Gerald Clark actually wrote a book about Judy Garland called Get Happy? Of course. Isn't that wild that this asshole gets to write a book about the life of Judy Garland? It's literally called Get Happy, The Life of Judy Garland. So he has an entire book out there about how happy she is when he was molesting her the entire time. Yeah, Yeah, asking her to have sex with him when when she was 16. Yeah, it's absurd. The um, memoir of um, uh, Sidney Luft is called Judy and I, My Life with Judy Garland. That's where he talks about. Um, how Judy talked to him about how the Munchkins um, sexually harassed her, and so yeah, it's just like absolutely, absolutely horrible. Um, now I have to look up a picture of the Munchkins. Okay, Tara's never seen Wizard of Oz, so if I do a Wizard of Oz, episode, my dad we'll have is to terrified of. Oh my god, <laughs> they're scary. I'm gonna have nightmares. They're I wish scary. I wouldn't have looked at that. Thanks, Dad, for protecting me from this film. It's my fault. <laughs> so Judy Garland went on to have five marriages. 
Her first one essentially was just kind of a bid for freedom. She was trying to break away from her mother, who I really didn't get into a lot of the mom stuff, but her mom was really manipulative when it came to the eating stuff, and she was the one who was drugging her. And so um, she was also, like, very uh, emotionally abusive. She was married to a guy who was physically abusive, and so... She, uh, Judy was trying to get away from her mother, and she was also trying to get away from MGM. Um, so she married a 30-year-old composer named David Rose in 1941 when she was only 19 years old. Ew, David. Isn't it? Ew, David. That's exactly ew. what it is. Like, ew. Ew. It's so <laughs> crazy looking back at these times, all the grooming that was happening. Yeah. Right? Oh. She was manipulated her entire life. Her whole life. Um, and they really didn't last long. It, it died off after a couple of years. They got divorced. And then in 1945, she was married to a director named Vincent Minnelli. And they had a child, none other than Liza Minnelli. Do you know who that is, Tara? Of course I know who Liza Minnelli is. Great. You know, is. you didn't see what's her Liza. I can't really put it past you. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but their their marriage only lasted about six years. Um, they had divorced in 1951 because Vincent was having an affair with a man. And later, wasn't her came father out as also gay. having an affair with a man? With a man? Yes. Didn't you say that? Yeah. Wow. I mean, she's really. They couldn't. Men, men weren't allowed to love who they wanted to love. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! I totally yeah. agree with that. But I'm just saying that, like, there's themes that are continuing throughout her life. Yeah. And um, just wait. It gets, there's another man that she ends up marrying that ends up having an affair with Liza Minnelli's husband. And then they get, like, get married oh, and they're the together for 25 years. They're together for, like, 25 years. I didn't even go into all that, oh, but it, it is plot. a continuous theme, and it's definitely the time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you know, she's in Hollywood. So, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about stereotypes. Um, anyway, yeah, it's her fourth husband. We'll get there. So, her third husband, is, she uh, is Sidney Lofts, who wrote the um, the uh, the memoir that I just told you about, Judy and I, My Life with Judy mm-hmm. Garland. They have two kids together. Um, and, you know, they're pretty happy, but she's just kind of off the rails. Um, and it just didn't work out. And then she marries a man named Mark Heron briefly, um, but she ends up uh, divorcing him because he was abusive towards her. And then later fa- found out that he, well, she already kind of knew that he was having relations with man when she, men when she got with him. Uh, but then he started getting abusive towards her, and she later found out that he was having an affair with Liza Minnelli's husband, which is her daughter's husband. And then her and Liza Minnelli's husband Lovely. ended up um, being together for 25 plus years. So... Lovely. Not wild. Yeah. And then she met her last husband, Mickey Deans. Um, he was delivering stimulants to her, so essentially he was he was a, a kind of a drug dealer. Um, they were married yeah. for only three months before she died. So. Oh damn. The reason that she ended up marrying him, it comes from multiple sources, is that he would just give in to her and feed her all the things that she wanted. Um, this is coming from a colleague, Rosalind Walder, and that, you know, he would provide her with drugs and he would provide her with all these things. Um, so unfortunately, I mean, that is her ultimate downfall. He was her last husband. 
and I let's go ahead and break up this break open this last one. All right, our last beer is Rainbows and Unicorns from Breakside. This is another IPA. So let's go ahead and crack this open. It's definitely more buttery than the other ones. Oh, I had to clean, clean my palate, I think. Yeah. It just does not taste how I thought it was going to taste. It doesn't taste how I thought it was going to taste either. No. It doesn't taste tropical at all to me. So it does not? It doesn't, no. I, I guess I, I love this brewery, though. I love this brewery. It's one of my favorites. I do like it. It's a, it's a good beer. I think that just the other beers we've had before this kind of are setting it up for uh, being light. invisible. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. not super special. I think. All right, you ready for me to read yeah, about I'm this ready beer? for you to tell me how much alcohol is in it. Excuse me. So, a session IPA originally made mm. for the Oregon Brewers Fest brewed with flaked rice to create a, as light-bodied ah, a beer as possible that makes sense. with juicy, tropical, and fruity hot flavors alongside notes of peach, honeydew, apricot, and pineapple. Tropical summery goodness. You are all in for a magical ride. Rice so makes the sense. Flavor, yeah, I definitely taste the rice. So flavor profile is peach, breakfast cereal, pineapple, Juicy fruit. It is 5.1% ABV. It has 30 IBUs. It has Comet, El Dorado, and Galaxy Hops. And it has Light Crystal and Two Row Malt. And it's won two awards. Good for you guys. I think it would be a really good, like, first beer on a hot day. Yeah. If we'd been drinking these at the lake, I would have yeah. been set. It's not necessarily the best third beer sitting on the floor in heat with your fan on you, mediocre, cold, while talking yeah. about Judy Garland's drug addiction beer. You know? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a time and place for this beer, for sure. For sure. Like, I don't know if it's actually hitting the I'll spot, but that. I know that it would hit the spot if I was, yeah, like, at the lake. Absolutely. If it was you in You really a, in hit a the nail on the head yeah. with that one, Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. It's really light, and that's the thing that I think I like the most about it. Um, you said cereal. It does not not taste like cereal. Yeah, and there's peach, something else breakfast said, cereal, pineapple, pineapple juicy no. fruit. I it also says that it has honeydew, which I wish I got more of because honeydew is one of my favorite one of flavors, and I'm just not getting that whatsoever. Yeah, I really like honeydew. Um, but we'll have to try this again um, yeah. as the yeah, first yeah. beer. Yeah. And see if we change our minds about on it at all. I have five more of them, Tara. Perfect. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it'll be good, like, first beer, maybe after a long day or when you're in the sun or anything like that. But I don't know if it's the best third beer after having a red IPA. Anyway. Yeah. 
So we're kind of getting to the end of it. Um, I've mentioned a lot of the, I don't want to call them highlights of Judy's life, but the main points. Unfortunately, yeah. The main points of her life. Um, she did a lot of movies, you know, obviously Meet Me in St. Louis and um, The Wizard of Oz. I would say are top, her top two um, most famous, but yeah. Yeah, really yeah. her drug her drug habit just starts to instead of helping her at the beginning Take of over. her career, it really starts hurting her at the end of her career. While she's filming the nineteen forty eight film The Pirate with uh Manelli, Garland's pill usage starts spiking. She starts behaving erratically, she starts missing day after day of filming, she starts shouting paranoid thoughts out loud on sets, starts talking to voices out loud on sets. Um, if you take that and you put it in front of a live audience, you just... Ugh. Oh, this was in front of a live audience? Well, that's what started as a movie, and she starts doing these live shows in front of the audience in London uh, in 1969. And so she, it gets even worse after that. So she starts doing those live shows oh, because yikes. she's not making any money. Um, well, she's making money. She's spending it all on drugs. She's, like, relying on her kids. She's, like, abusing her kids. Um, she's, you know, telling them that if they don't support her, she'll, you know, kill herself. Um, she has slit her oh, wrists in their houses before. It's, like really crazy and she'll just yeah. go missing for days and um yeah so it's That's just like really horrible. rough um yeah so some nights she put on a good show when she was doing those live performances in london other nights she would go on extremely extremely late she would have really slurred speech um she was booed off stage sometimes so that would be that string of shows would be her last uh, performances. Mm -hmm. So, in the, the morning of June 22nd, 1969, Mickey Deans, which is Judy's fifth husband, he woke up to an empty bed and immediately knew what had happened. He walked into the bathroom and found Judy's dead body on the floor. And later it was found oh out. God. They say it's an accidental overdose. We never really know if it's accidental or if it was suicide. Yeah. Because um, she had been suffering from hepatitis, exhaustion, kidney ailments, nervous breakdowns, near-fatal drug reactions. She was overweight. She was underweight. She was starved to the bones. She had injuries from, that she afflicted upon herself. She'd throw herself down, downstairs. Um, so, oh, my gosh. Again. She was in rough shape. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So she had just turned 47. Uh, at the beginning, I said that her birthday was on the... Uh, June 22nd, 1923. 20... She died on the, on the 22nd. She was oh, born okay. on the 10th. Oh. So she had just turned 47. So, again, this is a lot of stuff, and we tried to compact it into a round of 40-minute episode, and... I'm sorry, and, uh, and and chug chug your beers. And if you want to know more yeah. about this, especially Wizard of Oz or, or MGM and how corrupt it is, we could do more episodes on that. Um, but I do want to let you know 
that there is a podcast out there called Hollywood Crime Scene, which is really awesome. It's a true crime podcast. It just kind of talks about Hollywood. Um, they have a two-part episode on Judy's life that's really great. It's episode 169 and 170. Um, so definitely check that Summer out. Summer of 69. I know, right? <laughs> uh, and again, I do want to say that if you are thinking about suicide or know anyone that does, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at one 800 273 8255 again 1-800-273-8255 or the suicide crisis line at 1-800-784-2433 again 1-800-784-2433 and if you're experiencing depression need support or having um you know manic depressive episodes please contact the national depressive manic manic depressive association hotline at 1-800-826-3632 or there's always a crisis call center and you know anything from eating disorders to drug addiction to um depression to 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 suicide they will help you out so this last hotline that is 1-775-784-8090 because awesome thanks charlotte because there are there are places out there and people out there who want to help you and you you do not you do not have to have to continue um that sort of path in that life um yeah it's just so sad it really is it just really broke my heart in her interview and she was talking about how the best years of her her life were under the age of six yeah that's not normal it's like so sad it's really not because it's like most of those years you can't even remember. That's yeah. That's probably why it was so good. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> so sad. Yeah. So, we are a true crime podcast. And there were a lot of crimes that occurred in this episode. Again, the main ones being uh, f- enabling drug addiction in children. Abuse. And sexual harassment and abuse from adults um so that's a really heavy thing not light not fun like i promised (laughs) you said that i was like oh no not this one (laughs) the next one probably will be more oh the next one's gonna be a blast yeah it'll be super fun it's more conspiracy one might say it'll be a blast (laughs) i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) oh my god Wow. Should we rank these beers super, super quickly? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, I can go first if you'd like. Yeah. This one's growing on me. Fremont Summer Ale, Walking Free. I drink it tonight. I drink it tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. I'd recommend it. Love it. The, let's see. Rainbows and Unicorns. I'm going to put that... On, I'm going to put it on, on house arrest. I think it's good. It's solid. It's got a time and place. And the double rainbow, I'm going to put that on. Oh, wait. I think I meant to put the break side on parole. Wait, you mean the, and... the iron horse on parole? No. Oh, the, the break the side. The rainbows and unicorns oh, on parole. On parole. Yeah. And then Iron Horse on House Arrest because I'm fine with it. It's it's good. It's a solid beer, Mm -hmm. but it definitely 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Straight, I put to, it straight to Jill. Straight to Jill. <laughs> I'm just straight up arresting it. Straight to Jill. <laughs> you sell sweaters too expensive? Straight to Jill. Straight to Jill. Straight to Jill. Straight to Jill. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would drink it again, but I, I, it would have to be a very special reason. I would. I think out. it's so funny though because these are summer type things. I might like it more like if I was wearing a sweater and I was by a bonfire or something. Yeah, I agree. I think that the season is off. Like, I like it, but there are other beers that are similar to it that I like more, which is why I'm arresting it. This is again the um, double rainbow. I really like the story behind it. That was really cute though. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Fremont Summer Arrow is walking free. I'm really glad I got a full pack of those so I can have some to drink later this week. And then the Rainbows and Unicorns is actually, like, extremely growing on me. Um. Yeah. I like it a lot. So it's, um, it's Parole is next. Yeah, Parole. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get, I have, I got multiples of all of these because they don't have singles at my total wine. Added to the list of things I'm frustrated about. But this one, I am uh, excited to have it in the fridge for longer so I can drink it when it's actually cold. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to request a full-length episode on any of the Judy Garland topics that we touched on, please let us know by reaching out to us through our Facebook. Bloodshed and Brews. Or on our Instagram. Bloodshed and Brews. Or shoot us an email. Uh, Blessedandbrews at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for kicking off the summer of 69. So ready for those next five-ish episodes. Me too. All right. Bye. Bye.